church. Ricky, am I good? All right. Good morning. <clears throat> I know we're a week removed from youth camp, but uh, we weren't here last week, so thankful that we had that camp to go to. Thankful for the preaching that was there at Crossings, but I'm also thankful that week in and week out, we get to come gather together as sons and daughters of the Lord, of the King, and hear from His Word, and uh, thankful to be here with my church family this morning. So again, good morning, church and visitors. Today, we get the opportunity to gather around God's Word and hear Him. And we trust today that the Holy Spirit will use His Word for our good and for His glory. I'm going to start off, we're going to be in 1 John this morning, 1 John chapter 1. Uh, this is a passage that, uh, in this whole book really, uh, it came up throughout the time we were at camp. But I spent some time in it this past week, and it's, uh, it's just a wonderful reminder of uh, who we are in Christ and ultimately who He is in us, uh, primarily. Uh, I'm going to read this passage all the way through uh, the first chapter. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things, so that our joy may be complete." And this is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. Let's pray. God, I thank you again as we come to you now. <clears throat> I thank you, Father, that you are good, that you are perfect, that you are just and holy. God, that you are light. I'm thankful that we can gather around your word this morning that is living, that is active, that is applicable, God, every day of our lives. Every day that you give us, Father, we can rest in you, rest in your spirit, rest in what you're doing in our lives, and rest in your son, Jesus. So, God, I pray that you just take this time to again show us who you are, Father. Show us your will for our lives, and God, transform us this morning through your words. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, church, um, the title of the message today is simply Joy Completed. Joy Completed. Uh, I grew up thinking that joy was found at the man in the mirror. Um, I grew up uh, uh, thinking that myself and the pleasure that I could produce was true joy. I started working at, the age at, at age 15 at a German restaurant in St. Charles, Missouri, where we grew up. Um, when those busboy tips started rolling in, I thought I had it made. 
Um, I bought all the clothes, the knives, the games for the original Nintendo Entertainment System, and other things that I wanted. Uh, this same self-serving trend continued throughout high school, throughout college, and after I moved here to Memphis with my first full-time job, that same self-serving trend continued. Then, then, praise God, after he saved me, I finally started to see that true joy was not found in the things of this world, but in knowing and serving Christ. So God's word for us today is primarily for his church. We're going to see this letter that's been written is for his church. But as we've already seen, as we've read the word, uh, it's also for those that may be far from God and not following Christ at all, completely separated from God. And there may be some in here in this room today that's hearing that. Uh, the background of this passage, church, uh, it's not actually specific as you read through the whole, the whole book. It's not specific who wrote the letter. I know we call it First John. Um, or who it was written to. It doesn't say specifically, but through historical information, likely it's written by, the apostle, uh, by John the Apostle to the churches in Asia Minor and in the regions of Ephesus. Uh, now, at this point, Christianity, Christ um, and his followers have been around for 60 or 70 years. This is around, I believe it's around 80 or 90 A.D., and John, though, he, now he's old, but he had seen Christ. He had been there when Christ was there. Um, and we're going to see that as he's addressing here, similar to today, back here where John was writing, worldly philosophies were invading the church and the, and the gospel in creating an unbiblical blend of Christianity. Again, this is nothing new what we're seeing today. It was happening back then. Some were denying the incarnation of Christ. Uh, this letter is a good, also a good measuring tool to test ourselves, to see if we're in the faith or, um, or if we're not a true Christian. I like these verses that, uh, that, that's come up over a lot, especially last summer. Um, 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this, Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. A lot of what is in 1 John, we're going to see the focus, like, most of, like all the letters we see, is about Christ, who he is, his blood, God's plan. But we're also going to see that God gives us ways to know and to test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. So um, there's two points this morning. The first one is that God is glorified through his perfect plan. We're going to read here in these first few verses that his perfect plan is his son Jesus, is his disciples that he makes, and his church. Verse 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John makes it a point to tell these churches that he's writing to right away that knowing this word of life was personal for him. It was personal. This wasn't some mystical experience. This was a personal encounter that John had with God's son, and it changed his life. Uh, you know, specifically when I think about um, when I'm trying to find out more information on places I want to go, I like to talk to people who have been there. When we talk about trips we want to take or places we want to be, I like hearing from people directly that have been there, that have seen it, that experienced it. And we see this right here in John. He's saying, I've tasted, I'm sorry, I've touched, I've looked upon, I've seen it, I've seen this word of life. And again, John makes it a point to show that there's value and truth to what he's writing about here. He's trying to show authority. He points to the word of life. His authority is not based on his experience or his perspective, but it's because he knows 
the one who is the authority. Um, he's seen um, the one. He makes it a point here to say that he's seen the one who the entirety of the history of the world is based on. He has seen and touched direct and heard directly from the creator of the world. You know, I, I, when I first read this, I can easily get by this and move on to what we're seeing here about proclaiming and things like that. But everything John's saying is, look, uh, we're talking about the, prom- the one that uh, was promised by the prophet Isaiah, the one who healed the sick, talking about Christ, the one who died willingly for their sins, the one who was seen in his resurrected body and who ascended into heaven. He's saying, look, pay attention. We have heard, we have seen, I have been there, he said. And then he goes on in verses two through three and he says this, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And he says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. So we see that God has a perfect plan here, not only in his son, but in his disciples. Because see, knowing Jesus, we talk about knowing Christ and how do we know Christ? Knowing Jesus communicates true life. That's what his disciples do. Jesus chose to reveal himself and conduct his ministry in a specific time to a specific people that were able to see him, touch him, and hear from him, that they may multiply what he started, right? We're far removed from that. We're 2,000 years later from that. But at the same time, um, we see that John encountered that, and those specific people at that time saw him physically, and they documented it here for our good. They manifest, You see this little chain here in, in verse 2. The life was made manifest... We've seen it, and we testify to it. So what does a true encounter with Jesus produce? It produces a desire in us and through his church to tell others about the truth of God. And that's what we see here about John. He says, we know Christ. We've been given this gift. We're telling you about him. This is our goal. And then we see next what he says here at the second part of verse 3. He says this, so that you too may have fellowship with us, And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. You see, John wrote this letter out of not only a desire to glorify God, but to have close fellowship with other believers. He explains that his most valuable relationship is with God the Father and with the Son. That's where this relationship starts. Um, he's explaining that the true that Jesus is the foundation of true unity. Uh, John's desire and a closeness with those he's writing this letter to in this church, and even the loss that may be in the midst of these churches that he's writing to. And again, look at the last part. Why else is he writing this letter? We see there writing these things. So what? Why else is he writing this letter? Because he knows that while knowing Christ is true joy that's unachievable by, unachievable by any other means and incomparable to anything else, he knows that unity in Christ and unity in the mission he has for us is a constant goal as Christians. This is the goal for Paul. He's saying here that I'm writing all these things to you that my joy may be complete, that our joy may be complete. So you see, the more in unity we are as a church in God's mission, the more joy we have as we work together to achieve that goal. You see, we pray, we, we, here at Calvary, we pray for others together. We serve others together. 
We teach our children together. I rely on men and women in this church that I know are not only teaching here in our small groups and things like that, in our ministries, but also when we have people over to our home. Your actions as a church, my actions as a, as a Christian here at Calvary are teaching those in your family. We're teaching each other by how, by how we act. And, um, and we know that that produces joy. When we see God working among our church, among our families, among our children, uh, it produces joy in our lives. And that's what, that's what John is saying here. We're always striving towards completeness of that joy. So God has given us his infallible, inerrant word that is the foundation of our faith. We know this. Are we in God's word? Are we spending time with him, walking with him through his word? Do we see his word as the greatest treasure or just some historical book? Um, Church's word is alive. We know that. It works through us. It examines us. It tests us at all points through our life. There's Christians, uh, as Christians right here in this body at Calvary, uh, we, we desire our joy to be complete. We know that when God's working in our midst and we see him at work, it produces joy that's incomparable to what this world can offer. You see, when we talk about unity and joy and, and true fellowship, uh, we can have the same family, uh, the same employer, the same interests here at Calvary. Um, but true fellowship and closeness, true joy comes from following the same Lord. We have a lot of things in common. You know, you have things with different people uh, in common with different brothers and sisters here in the church. But true fellowship comes with true unity in Christ. So... Um, is John unique in desiring this deep fellowship and joy? Again, he says, well, I'm writing these things to you that our joy may be complete. Um, is he simply someone who saw Christ manifested in the flesh, and therefore he's obviously more spiritual because he was here when Christ was here, and now we're here 2,000 years later? By no means. The same Jesus that lives in John is the same Jesus and the same power of the Spirit that lives in us. You know, it reminds me, if we go back to uh, one of the familiar passages that God has used here at Calvary, John chapter 15. Um, and again, John wrote in his gospels, in his gospel, here in John 15, a uh, real familiar passage, he says this about Christ. Uh, Jesus spoke this. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then here's where he says, similar to what John said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus said his joy is complete in us. As we are dying to self, as we are serving each other here in the church, as we are doing his will, his joy is complete in us. And not only that, that our joy may be full. I think I know what joy is in this world. Every time, I, every time God shows me how good he is, my flesh goes back to thinking it can satisfy itself with the pleasures of this world and that it can find true joy. But God is so faithful that he always shows me his power working right here at Calvary in and, and through his believers and his children um, and things like that. So um, he is faithful. So God reminds us of the purposes. Um, you know, God reminds us of the purpose of his purposes by what Jesus said also. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So again, when we talk about being a follower of Christ, do you want to know if you're a true follower of Christ? Fruit bearing is the evidence 
that we are his disciples. And again, what is fruit? What is the fruit of the Christian life? Well, again, do we love and read his word? Do we seek to grow through the teaching and preaching? And do we desire to see others to grow, to love Jesus more than they love us? I heard somebody say that before, and it just sticks with me. Do I want to see others grow in my life to where they love Jesus more than they love me? And I think Brother Greg has said that many times. Do we serve others before we serve ourselves? That is true fruit. So church, the life of Christ is running through us. The fruit will be produced, but we must daily die to our own desires and passions and follow Jesus. We are the ones. I'm the one that suppresses what God can do in my life and through me into the lives of others. There's opportunities all around me to encourage, to serve, to love others around me every day. Um, so again, do we recognize what God has done for us? Are we making time to be in his word every day? And, and again, church, this is not a guilt trip. This is an encouragement. This is an encouragement to me and a reminder to me um, that, again, do we have a desire to grow so that we can be an encouragement to others in Christ? Having that unity, having that fellowship that John just talked about. Um, you know, I know many brothers and sisters in this room um, you have unique gifts. You have unique talents. You have unique life situations that's unique from anybody else in this church um, that provide you an opportunity to connect with others that is different and unique. So church, I just want to say, let us continue. Let us not forget those gifts, spiritual gifts that God has given us. Uh, let us continue to use those gifts and not grow weary or complacent in having true fellowship like we're reminded of here um, that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, so this whole, this whole passage, this first point here, that God is glorified through His perfect plan. He is glorified through His Son. He's glorified through His disciples, and He's glorified through His church. And secondly, God is glorified through what He provides. And we're going to see what He provides in this next section but in summary, he provides his perfection, he provides the blood of Christ, and he provides forgiveness. Let's read verses 5 and 6 together. It says here, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Church, as we know, um, what, what we see here, God provides perfection. God is perfect. God is light, and light is the absence of all darkness. Um, no darkness at all. His word says that Jesus, that Jesus said that uh, he and the Father are one. Therefore, because Jesus and the Father are one, Jesus is sinless and therefore able to take away my sin and die for it. You see, in these first few verses we see here, John is pretty blunt. He calls out liars. Now, when you read that, um, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I like his bluntness. I try to have more of that in my life. I tend to be not as blunt, but thankfully we have brothers in this room that are a lot more blunt than me, and they're teaching me and training me to be more blunt. Um, he calls out the liars, specifically ones that say they're Christians, but don't live by and practice what God has spoken. You see, this isn't just a simple personal analysis. 
against God's standard of holiness that John is talking about here. John is again making a huge statement in just a few words that God is light. He is focusing, like he did at the very beginning of this passage, focusing strictly on Christ that he had seen. Um, Now he's focusing on the perfection of God, the holiness of God, the sinlessness of God. When we claim to know the one by who, uh, by who his will, he created man in his own image. When we claim to call him father, when we claim that he has raised us from death to life, when we claim those things, we're saying that he has called us, that he has called us, the creator of the universe has called us, and that he has done a miraculous work in, it, in our life. So to verbalize this, to claim this, and then to live like he's not done any of this in our life, it drags the name of Jesus Uh, frankly, through the mud and taints his reputation. God takes his salvation and his sanctification seriously. If we claim him, if we say he's done a work in us, and then we walk in darkness and we practice darkness, um, this is a big deal in God's eyes. It signifies that there is darkness in his pure light. Um, God takes sin and lying and law-breaking seriously to the point of the penalty of not only physical death, but spiritual death and an eternity separated from him in hell. So this is what we have to challenge ourselves with this passage, uh, with these few verses. Do we habitually, consistently practice works of evil? God has given us a conscience to know good from evil. We have to search our hearts to see, um, are we lying about our relationship with Christ? Or, um, Or if we truly love him at all? Uh, I, know that thing, I know the things that I do habitually. I know those things that I practice habitually that are darkness. I know what pleases God and what offends God as a child of his. But do I got to see, do I love those things that I practice? Do I love those things? Do I practice those things with no guilt, um, with, with no remorse? But guess what, Christian? Um, or to the one that is lost in this room, if we do practice those things habitually, if there is no remorse, there is grace. As John Michael preached about last week, there is grace for the one that is lost, that is far from God, that is dead in sin, that is walking in darkness. Do you hate the, now on the other hand, do you hate the darkness, but fall into sin as a true believer? And again, there is grace to resist the flesh and the devil, and there is grace for forgiveness. The next verse here, verse 7, says this, but, if we, but, there's that but that we like to see, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So many amazing things we see there. If we walk in the light, this is proof, again, that we are in Christ, that we are walking in the light, that we are striving to die to self daily to walk in the light that's how we have true fellowship with one another. That's where we have true fellowship with other believers. Um, and we can be confident that it is his son that cleanses us and his son's blood that cleanses us from all sin. So God is faithful again. He's given us the blood of Christ. Um, so let's talk about what we practice. It says here, I, I love when we see in the word, that word walk. All through Ephesians, it talks about sitting and walking and standing in Christ. And we see here that John says, if we walk in the light. This is what we practice. John challenges us to evaluate our walk, to evaluate our actions. Um, If we fellowship with God and allow his word 
to wash us consistently, then we can be assured that we can have true fellowship with other brothers and sisters in the church. Because God's word is going to work through us. It's going to convict us of our sin. It's going to show us what darkness is and what it's light. You know, in our lives, darkness and light, without walking with Christ, there's periods in my life where it starts to get blurry. There starts to become shadows. I start to blur it. It doesn't change that, that God is light. But I start to allow that grayness to come in and those shadows to come in. But again, God is faithful through his word uh, to wash us consistently. Um, I'm blessed beyond measure when I meet a brother or sister in Christ and we discover that we have unity. You know, John here talked about unity and fellowship with one another through the blood of Christ. I was at uh, uh, Academy Sports a couple years ago and I'm standing in a long line. This is when ammunition was scarce and there was long lines when you had to buy it. And this young man, I've told some people this before, he turns around, a little bit younger than me, he turns around and he said, man, I just feel like when I'm in a situation like this, just waiting, I got to talk to somebody about Jesus. <laughs> and I said, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Let's talk about him. And it um, turns out that, you know, he was a believer. He's a med student down in Texas and he was visiting up here. And we maintained that relationship and text relationship for a while and we're praying for each other um, and things like that. But church, um, when we here at Calvary have fellowship with one another here in God's church where he has planted each one of us, uh, where we regularly see each other, unlike this brother that I met that was from Texas, that's something really special. Um, God gives us the gift of being a blessing to others, of having true fellowship, um, and for others to be a blessing to us, right? That's how it works here with that, with that fellowship and that unity. I use this here at Calvary. I use brothers and sisters here at the church to encourage me. Um, I seek out the encouragement of others because I know that you all are going to remind me who I am in Christ, of his power in me. And I want to be able to do the same for you. And again, that's the, that's the true fellowship that we talk about, not just common interests, but having that love for Christ, walking in the light, knowing that if I'm going to come to a brother or sister here, that you're in the word daily, that you're going to encourage me and you doing the same for me or anybody else in this church. So that's, that's the beauty of what, um, again, what it all comes back to here is that God is light and we walk with him. And finally, verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> Familiar passage, but uh, John ends with this in this, this section of his letter. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So a minute ago, he talked about you know, us lying, us deceiving ourselves, us deceiving those around me. And then he says, if we're walking in darkness, we're calling God a liar. That what God has done in us, that it is imperfect, that it contains things other than perfect light. Um, this is a test that John provides if we think we are good. Um, again, a familiar passage here um, in, in Romans 3, verses 10 to 11. Paul reminds us that none is righteous, no, not one. And not only that, no one, not, not only is no one anyone, anybody good, that no one even understands nor seeks for God. I tell you, I was religious growing up. Before God saved me, I did religious activities, but I was not seeking him. But I know that by the power of his word, that he gives us that desire to seek him. Uh, he gives us that desire to want to be in unity. As much as this world and this flesh tries to pull away from God, he puts that desire in our hearts that by being obedient, being in his word, 
um, that we can, again, not only have fellowship with him, but we can have true fellowship here in his church. Um, you know, it talks about deception here. It says uh, we deceive ourselves. Earlier on, we talked about that. You know, I, I deceive myself all the time here in this world. Um, <laughs> sometimes I tell myself that I can bench 300 pounds on a workbench. Um, I've never attempted it, but I know that it would be painful. Um, I tell myself that I can dribble a basketball around Brother Britt when we play over there in the gym on Wednesdays, but anyone watching me play knows I should just pass the ball as quick as I can when I get it. And um, don't get me started about uh, personal deception about uh, dancing, right, Tara? So we know that we deceive ourselves in many ways in many forms. I tell myself I can do all kinds of things, and you can probably think of times that you've told yourself you could do something that you knew you couldn't, but you tried it anyway and probably failed. Um, but you look at through this passage here, there's so many if statements. Um, it says uh, that, that God gives us here through his word, through John, to evaluate ourselves. It says, if we say we have fellowship, right? If we walk in the light, if we say we have no sin. And finally, that last if if we confess our sins. This is a reminder that the believer that has fellowship with God can find rest and forgiveness for when we have times where we are walking in darkness. And that the glorious news that the unbeliever can be cleansed from any sin and all lawlessness, it says there, that he has accumulated in his or her life. So God gets the glory, church, because he cleanses by the blood of his son. And because even, our even in our unfaithfulness, he is faithful. And right there it says, he is the righteous and just judge who accepts Jesus' payment for the sins that we commit. So church, we've talked about uh, a few things here in this, in this brief passage. We've seen that God doesn't share his glory with anyone. John immediately shows us, all, well, and all throughout this passage, that it is all about the glory of God. Just to recap the two points. Number one, God is glorified through his perfect plan. And inside that, he alone is true life that is glorified through his son and his disciples and his church, through our unity, through our fellowship. And point number two, God is glorified through what he provides. He provides the way, which is through Christ. He provides um, fellowship in his church. He provides unity and he provides, he alone uh, provides forgiveness. So church, um, this passage today, I, I'm just thankful for God's word. Um, I'm thankful for a reminder uh, that we are to examine ourselves and test, your, test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. You know, we think about those familiar scriptures where it says worldly grief produces death but godly grief produces life. That is true for salvation, that if I'm a lost man and I've broken the law and I get caught, that is worldly grief. It produces no true fruit of God. But when God works in our hearts to convict us of our sin and he brings about a godly grief that brings about through the gift of faith, repentance and trust in Christ, that is how he works. Um, godly grief produces life. Church, let us not deceive ourselves, as John said. John's pleading with these churches, don't deceive yourself. Um, don't fool yourself. Don't lie. 
Either you're in Christ or you're not. If you're not in Christ, he is faithful and just to forgive. If we are walking in darkness, if you are walking in darkness, don't deceive yourself. Um, Man up, right? Man up and confess. He is faithful. No matter what you have done in your life, um, no matter how grievous the sin, he is faithful and just to forgive. Don't don't play games anymore. Um, He is faithful and just. But if you are a true believer in this, in our body, uh, where do you find joy in your life? The title of this message, again, was Joy Completed. Uh, Where do you find joy? Uh, Church, you've tasted it. If you've been in Christ, you've tasted, I've tasted true joy when we see how God works in our lives. Um, You've seen Jesus, Jesus working fruit through you in your own life to reach those around you. I know you have. We have together as a church and as individuals. Um, and, and you know what? When we taste something really, really good, we want more of it. Like John said, we want our joy to be completed all the way up to the point of our death where we get to see him face to face. But together we've allowed the world to distract us from our primary purposes on why God even saved us. Um, which is to love God and to love others around us. Church, let us encourage each other to strive together to walk in the light, right? Um, Satan is, is always there. Our flesh is always there pulling away from God. Do we find ourselves stumbling in the darkness from time to time? Um, it's painful when we stumble in the darkness. That happened to me the other night in our bathroom. <laughs> Waking up in the middle of the night, tripping over a drawer that was pulled out. That hurts, church. And in our spiritual walk, We can stumble, right? As we walk in the light, things are uncovered in our lives as Christians that cause us to stumble, that cause us to fall out of fellowship with the Lord, with each other. Um, So let's continue to walk in the light. There's no five-step plan. There's no no plan, no no, um, silver bullet that helps us achieve it. It is simply, as God has shown us for years here at Calvary, abide in Christ through his word daily. Ask someone if you don't know how to do that. It's okay, right? Ask someone for accountability if you know you're not going to be able to do it, but you have that desire in your heart to do that. Um, Number two, belong with other believers. Now, get out of your comfort zone um, of of your little circle of friends. And and I I say us, right? I say you, but I say us. And and meet other people. and if you're doing that now, there's people in the church that reach out and strive to meet other people and, and set up situations where you're able to meet other people. Uh, continue to do it. Um, if you're not in those types of circumstances, join a small group. We have small groups right here at Calvary that provide vehicles and means to meet other people to be able to have this true fellowship that, that God is showing us today. Um, and, and again, you'll benefit through close, close relationships, no matter what age. You know, my children, my youngest daughter at seven years old benefits from being in our family, but she also benefits by being in fellowship and closer relationships with, with children right here in this church. Um, and again, we can help you with that if you're not connected to the ministries or small groups that we have here at this church that, that help us. And finally, Connect, abide, belong, connect, right? The ABCs here at Calvary. Finally, connect with unbelievers, right? It might not be like we talk about in our small groups. It might not be a full gospel presentation, but have some coffee with an unbeliever. It's okay, right? It might be uncomfortable because they're saying things and doing things 
that as a child of God makes you uncomfortable now, right? It might not used to before, but now it does. But remember, remember who they are, right? They're far from God. Stretch yourself. Put yourself in circumstances where you can be the light to them. Um, try to share the gospel, regardless of whether you think you can say the right or wrong thing or not. Um, watch God work through you. If, as we die to ourself, church, as I get over myself and who I think I am in this world and I die to myself, um, we can see what God can do through us. And again, like we started off with this passage, joy completed. Uh, strive daily, church, to complete this joy. There's true joy in walking with Christ, walking in the light. There's true joy in having fellowship with other believers. And there's true joy in seeing, seeing Christ, as Brother Greg always says, work himself, push himself through us to produce fruit. And when we get to be a part of that, when we get to see how he's working through us to bring people from death to life, to encourage other believers that, look, it's, not as, it's bad right now, right? And sometimes there's bad situations in our lives that may not ever end, right? God may work and cure things. God may work and fix things, but he might not. But his church, God through his church reminds us who we are in Christ, right? That we have hope for an everlasting life with him. Um, and again, that, uh, that he's there with us, that our joy, our joy can be complete no matter the circumstances that we're in. So church, let's pray. God, thank you again for your word. Uh, thank you, Father, that, um, God, you've brought us to this place and this time. God, you're the one that saves us, that equips us, that helps us complete our joy here with each other through what we see you doing in our lives and in our church. But God, ultimately, for the reminder, God, that you are the everlasting word. You are the eternal God. You are the only perfect light. God, in all this is for your glory. You created us to have relationship with you so that through our lives and through our church, you may be glorified. So again, God, we need you. Father, we need you. Um, as we get distracted, as we get consumed um, with Monday mornings, as we get consumed with, um, with other priorities, Father, we know that you've given us hope. We know that you've given us purpose and we know um, that you are faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us, God, and to, to be with us. So God, I thank you and I praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.